Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Lots of conversations to be had today, but I want to start out with a very important message. I want to take this first segment of the show to talk about Sola Giving Day because that is going on right now. And as of right now, with 220 or so organizations to choose from, there's already been over a million dollars raised. So, Acadiana, you're doing a fantastic job so far. Let's keep it up. There's still eight hours left in the day. Sola Giving Day is live right now, solagivingday.org. The reason I'm so passionate about this is that many of the organizations on there are actually local schools. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more in the next, uh, after, after, uh, after I talk about Solo Giving Day, but it's very important that we do what we can, especially when it comes to benefiting our children through these local organizations and through schools, because they often, they often have to do without. Frankly, um, the 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 sad part is that a lot of teachers do have to pay out of pocket for a lot of things for their classroom. Schools have to find various ways to raise money in order to help cover the costs of education materials activities that are educational things that help children learn the content they're supposed to learn and get something out of school and far too often like i said teachers have to pay out of pocket i had to pay out of pocket a fair bit to get some of the things that i needed for the classroom i had to rely on a lot of charity uh amazon lists uh just wish lists that people were kind enough to donate to over the years i've I know so many teachers who could use so much help in trying to get the type of quality education and education materials that they need for their classroom. Sola Giving Day is a great day to do that. Here's what you got to know. It's extremely easy to do. Go to solagivingday.org. There's well over 200 organizations to choose from. You can select, support, donate whatever you want to. You can pay by credit card, Venmo, uh, PayPal, all donations, 100% deductible. A hundred and ten of like the 220 organizations, including our local schools, receive a matching donation when you donate to them. So every dollar you put in to one of those organizations that has a match your money's essentially doubled. So if you donate $50 to a school, you're helping give $100 to the school because there's a matching donation that will give an extra 50 to match the 50 you give. It is super, super important. Now, since 2018, over $6.5 million has been raised through Sola Giving Day. Right now, looking at solagivingday.org, the website's showing... 1.1 million raised so far. 
across nearly 220 organizations. There are over 27, almost 2,800 donors as of right now. And the more that money comes in, the more it helps these local organizations. So again, Sola Giving Day, so important. All of these local organizations, not just the schools, I'm just very passionate about the schools. You guys know this. All of these organizations do fantastic work. And it's so very important to be as generous as you can and help these organizations, particularly the ones that help our kids the most. Because as we've talked about on this show time after time, the kids need all the help they can get right now. That's just where we are. And it helps so much when you can give and help the education system, help these children's organizations, help these groups do so much great work for our kids. 232-1542, we're going to go ahead and take this break. When we come back, I want to talk about schools because the legislature's in session, teacher pay raises, legislative pay raises, minimum wage, school funding, all of that's on the table right now. we got to talk about it here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So the legislature is catching flack because they are not going to push through a minimum wage increase. Uh-oh. That shouldn't be there. Sorry, something was happening to the computer, and it was being weird, and we don't like that. Anyway, sorry about that. The legislature is getting some pushback because they killed a minimum wage increase while also giving themselves, a, or, push, or, or not they haven't given themselves a pay raise yet, but pushing ahead with a proposal to increase their own pay. And I'm of two minds on this. First of all, I don't think the legislature should be getting a pay raise. I don't. I don't think they've done enough to warn it. I think that they have, like so many others, committed the sin of making Louisiana stagnant. And they have been unable to get anything done, not even one way or the other. I mean, the fact is the voters have given Republicans damn near a supermajority and a a couple of defections from the Democrats and independents have essentially given Republicans a supermajority, and they haven't been able to get Republican ideas through other than an abortion ban. That, that's really the victory. Um, I don't think they deserve a pay raise. They have not done what the voters have asked them to do, so definitely not. Uh, but at the same time, the minimum wage increase, I think they're being attacked unfairly on that. A minimum wage increase has a lot or causes a lot of economic disruption. And the places that have passed minimum wage increases have seen that economic disruption disrupt the workforce and not in a positive way. It also, from a purely libertarian standpoint, The more government increases the minimum wage, the more government suppresses ambition to step up, to rise up out of one's circumstances, to go out and get a better job. A minimum wage job is not meant to be a lifelong career. Minimum wage jobs are not careers. 
They are not meant to be. Now, yes, sometimes people are in dire straits in life. And that minimum wage job is all they can get. But the thing about most of these working environments is that there is always opportunity to move up and move out of the minimum wage. There are also a lot of jobs that are available. Yes, the economy is bad, but there are places that are still hiring and do hire with minimal to no experience in that field because you can earn it and work your way up. And from a purely libertarian standpoint, government should not be interfering in the free marketplace that much by forcing private businesses to pay a certain amount. If the government wants to raise government employee salary, or not salary, minimum wage, by all means, let the government do that to itself. Let the government go broke doing that. The government will find out, just like every private business, that those sudden jumps in costs tend to be very disruptive and in a bad way. So it's unfair for the legislature to be attacked over that when they are actually making the right call on that. But yes, is kind of hypocritical to say, hey, let's go full on with increasing our own pay, but let's deny a minimum wage increase. The minimum wage increase isn't something that should happen, but there are some optics involved as well. You don't deserve, legislature, a pay raise. Louisiana has not in any way approved under your stewardship. The business of government is not being done. And the voters who have put you into office are not seeing a return on their investment for putting you into office. That is a bad thing, and you don't deserve a pay raise for it. The government, the the people that make up the government, the legislative branch, the executive branch, the bureaucracies, the people who make up the day-to-day workings of the government, whether it be at the state or federal level, always have this inflated sense of self. And they always put their needs above everybody else's. Maybe there is a need for increased minimum wage in the state of Louisiana, but you know what you're not going to get? Law, uh, lawmakers who actually care about the needs of civilians. Very rarely. There are some that talk a great game and some that actually genuinely do. But for the most part, most people are in politics to get power and then keep power. The first job of a politician is to get elected. The second job of a politician is to get reelected. The third job of a politician is to fundraise so they can get reelected. And then somewhere on page 12 of the list of duties of a politician is do what the citizens ask you to do and take care of your citizens. And politicians, by and large, are not doing that. They are ignoring that part of the list. They are ignoring their constituent services. They are ignoring what their constituents want, and they are hurting the state as a result. You have a group of Republican senators led by Paige Cortez who want to raise the spending cap in the state. We're having the same fight in Washington, D.C. Paige Cortez can't look and see what Republicans are doing on the national stage and think, man, maybe this is a fight we ought to have. Maybe we ought to cut some spending somewhere. No, Paige Cortez is not going to think that. He's not going to believe that. He's going to want to fund his pet projects. In order to do that, he's going to need to raise the spending cap because we have all of this money that keeps rolling in from the federal government. We need to spend as much of it as possible, never mind saving it, putting it away somewhere. Or catch this, 
What if we actually sent money to our schools? Sola Giving Day is great. By the way, solagivingday.org, go donate to local schools. They need it because the government every year gets a check from the lottery and they're supposed to send that money to schools. So the government takes that check, very neatly puts it in its bank account for education. And then, for some strange reason, a similar amount is withdrawn from the education account and put elsewhere in the budget. So that money that Louisiana voted on all those years ago when they voted to say, hey, let's let's approve the lottery so that we can get some of that sweet, sweet lottery money and, st- and start funding our schools better, that money never gets to the schools. I love Sola Giving Day. Why do our schools need to be on Sol- need to be part of Sola Giving Day? Because the state government doesn't actually take care of its schools, doesn't actually take care of education. Education and health care, need I remind you, are the pre- pretty much the only two places in the budget that do not have protected monies in the state constitution because we are idiots in this state about what a constitution is supposed to be. And so whenever cuts happen, they always happen to education and health care. And the money that we are supposed to get from the lottery, that's supposed to go toward education in the state of Louisiana, never actually makes it there. Please tell me how we need to raise the spending cap. Please tell me how we need to raise legislator pay. Please tell me how we need to raise the minimum wage, even just for government employees. Please tell me how we have all of that money, and yet we can't fund our schools. How we have a not great health care system. Please tell me how you need to raise the spending cap so you can, all this sweet, sweet federal money that comes in. All this revenue you say is coming in. Please tell me how all that's happening and we're not sending the money where it needs to go. Please tell me how we have all this money that we say we're going to work on our infrastructure and it never freaking happens. It's pretty sad. It's pretty pathetic that state government operates in the state the way it does. It's no wonder that U.S. News and World Report and Wallet Hub and these other ranking sites continually have Louisiana at the bottom, unless it's a, a top 10 of worst things ever, in which case Louisiana is sometimes near the top. It is unacceptable. So, no, the legislators don't deserve a pay raise. I don't know about the minimum wage. I think it'll cause a lot of economic disruption. I don't think we need that right now as we're facing a recession, as we've got inflation that's super high right now. Wages being too hot is actually a thing the Fed looks at and makes its decisions on inflation on. But the government doesn't need to spend more. The government needs to cut a lot out, including paying itself more. That's just ridiculous. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Let's go ahead and take this break. When we get back, another hit on Clarence Thomas. I'm going to explain to you why there's no there there. All that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation so there's another piece from ProPublica out on Clarence Thomas just digging further into his friendship with uh, GOP donor, uh, the mega-rich Harlan Crow. This hit piece involves a great-nephew that Clarence Thomas and his wife, Jenny Thomas, took in 
and uh, were raising for a bit. And at one point, uh, they were trying to find a good school for him to go to. And when they just mentioned it to Crow, Crow said, well, there's this school that I went to that I pay for scholarships for. Send him there. I'll pay for his first year of his tuition. And so they did. And then a little bit later on, they uh, they switched over to another school a little bit later. And Crow offered to pay for that for a year of tuition there as well. And so there's this whole thing about the appearance of impropriety. That's what ProPublica is pushing. That's what the left is pushing against Clarence Thomas. It may shock you to know that this is another load of bunk. This actually isn't the thing that they are making you think it is. The attacks on Clarence Thomas are dishonest on a number of levels. Judicial ethics exists to make sure that judges don't have a conflict of interest between the application of the law and the judge's own interests. So even on the face of judicial ethics, the fact of the matter is Harlan Crow has no business before the Supreme Court and hasn't had any business before the Supreme Court. Nothing that would have created a conflict of interest for Clarence Thomas. It doesn't matter to you or me if a judge here in Lafayette owns a ton of farmland in Vermilion Parish unless we're going to court with the guy who sold that judge the land. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference in the application of the law. If there is a business deal between the judge and the guy that sold him the farmland, that's a conflict of interest and the judge must recuse. That's judicial ethics. If I... if. Let's say a federal judge is writing a book and I'm taking the book publisher to court over something else that publisher did. That judge cannot hear my case because of judicial ethics. It has to go to another judge. Harlan Crow has no business before the court. Now, let's consider this actual case. A friend of mine, he goes by Thomas Crown online. It's not his real name. He goes by Thomas Crown on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Crown Maybe. He's a tremendous guy, super Catholic, super conservative, far more conservative than I will ever be. But he is a great guy, hilarious, and also has a ton of kids to the point where he taught his kids Robert's Rules of Order so that if the kids want to make a decision, they have to meet quorum and follow Robert's Rules of Order before addressing the parents with said issue. But anyway, here's his Twitter thread. Law students learn, and then lawyers sometimes remember to do, an analytical test called an IRAC, Issue, Rule, Analysis, and Conclusion. The issue is the 
Clarence Thomas Harlan Crow relationship and Crow paying for a year or for two years of tuition at two different schools for Clarence Thomas's great nephew, who Thomas was taking care of at the time. The rule, there's no rule here. There's there's nothing that applies here. The court has no external rules. It is literally impossible to impose those rules without simply announcing that all violations will be impeachment offenses, etc. So the Democratic activists, Thomas Crown writes, angry that they lost their turf, are pretending there's a rule, which is what's really going on here. Those same Democrats and activists are trying to impose informally or formally through public opinion on or through some unenforceable formal system, those rules on the Supreme Court, and use that as a bludgeon against future bad rulings. So assuming that the financial reporting rules do not apply to the Supreme Court justices, the disclosure form, I'm sorry, so assuming that the financial reporting rules that do not apply to Supreme Court justices suddenly do apply to Supreme Court justices, The disclosure form instructions for judicial reportings can be found online. There are statutory definitions for certain things, like gifts and dependents. A person reporting on their disclosure form is required to disclose financial information concerning a spouse or dependent children and dependent children. That is, a son, a daughter, a stepson or stepdaughter, or the person is a dependent within the meaning of S-152 of the Internal Revenue Code. So if you go and check those rules, the great-nephew does not apply here. Looking further into those rules, a dependent, by these rules that exist under disclosure forms that do not apply to the Supreme Court justices, A dependent is a child or a descendant of a child, a brother, sister, stepbrother, or stepsister, a father or mother or ancestor of either, a stepfather or stepmother, a son or daughter of a brother or sister of the taxpayer, a brother or sister of the father or mother of the taxpayer, a son-in-law, daughter-in-law, father-in-law, mother-in-law, brother-in-law, or sister-in-law, or an individual but not spouse who, for the taxable year of the taxpayer, has the same principal place of abode as the taxpayer and is a member of the taxpayer's household. Well, that sounds like the great-nephew, but it's a little more complicated than that. It looks right. It sounds right. It's not right. It does not apply because the forms themselves do not apply. The gift requirement for a de- is for a dependent child, defined as any individual who is a son, daughter, stepson, or stepdaughter, and who is unmarried and under the age of twenty-one, and is living in the household, or is dependent of such uh, is a dependent of such reporting individual. Based on that. It's not applicable. None of the judicial disclosure rules so far actually apply to this case. He's not covered by the reporting rules. The Thomases did not adopt him. He is not their natural child. They became his legal guardians, and if you think that's the same thing, it's legally not. What's important to remember is that in law... Things have definitions, and those definitions are there for a reason. 
if you want to change those definitions to include a great nephew that gets that becomes uh, that becomes under the legal guardianship of a judge, get Congress to change the rule. Good luck. Let's just say that there is an appearance of impropriety, which is defined as when reasonable minds with knowledge of all the relevant circumstances, that right there should disclose anybody at ProPublica, but a person of reasonable mind with knowledge of all equivalent circumstances disclosed by a reasonable inquiry would conclude that the judge's honesty, integrity, impartiality, temperament, or fitness to serve as a judge is impaired. The allegation is that by helping the great-nephew start a better life, the Thomases and their friend arranged for the kid to get a top-notch education. At no time, however, did that friend have business before the court. There's nothing improper about it. Now, the left does not like Clarence Thomas. They do not like his wife, Jenny Thomas. They want to be rid of Clarence Thomas. He is referred to as the shadow chief justice of the Supreme Court. They fear his influence on the court. He is one of the most respected members of the Supreme Court outside of Democrat activists. The legal community, even if some can't understand, can't stand him, they do respect the way he writes and the way that he explains things in legal documents. The problem for the left is that they don't have anything. There's no there there when it comes to Clarence Thomas. What they have is a grievance because Roe versus Wade was overturned. And that infuriates them. And Clarence Thomas has signaled that he would go further than the Dobbs decision did. And he has signaled that he is very willing to vote against a lot of the things the Democrats want to keep in place. I mentioned the other day the Chevron case. If she- if the Chevron rule gets overturned, the 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 Progressive bureaucracy collapses. Judges no longer have to defer to bureaucracies for their interpretation of what Congress meant in a law. The judges out there can say, uh, no, this is not in your purview. It's not written in the law that Congress wrote. A judge could interpret it differently than the bureaucracy, and the judge would overrule the bureaucracy. Progressives don't want that. Progressives are still mad about West Virginia versus EPA. Progressives are still mad about Dobbs. They are upset that a lot of the cases that they are relying on to keep their ideology in power, it's all being overturned by the Supreme Court. And they want to shame Clarence Thomas out of out of the Supreme Court. They want to get a Senate that is that is currently majority, although barely Democrat, to either pack the court or impeach Clarence Thomas, neither of which is going to happen. But these continued attacks are baseless, and they are highly, highly coordinated. Some of the stories that have come out are so thin, you can tell that they were published solely to keep to a schedule rather than actually work on verifying facts. The appearance of impropriety for Clarence Thomas isn't there. 
It's not there for Neil Gorsuch. It's not there for the uh, for Brett Kavanaugh. It's not there for any of the conservative justices. Oh, and by the way, those rich friends of justices, the liberal ones have them too. Nobody's asking questions about Sonia Sotomayor. Nobody's asking the questions of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's friends. She had a lot of rich progressive friends. Powerful people in America have rich and powerful friends. It just happens. And sometimes friends give each other money or loan each other money or give each other gifts. That's just what friends do. But there's no, there's nothing impeachable about what Clarence Thomas and his friendship with Harlan Crow has, has led to. There's nothing like that. It's a friendship. Harlan Crow has no business before the court, and Clarence Thomas has not done anything wrong. But the left continues to attack them on it. Because they are mad the Supreme Court is no longer under their control. They are mad that there is a solid conservative majority on the court. 232-1542, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, did Alabama's baseball coach commit a Pete Rose? We'll wrap up with that story and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, got a few minutes left if you want to take part in the topics of the day. So Alabama has been having a lot of trouble in its athletics department recently, haven't they? Well, the most recent thing is uh, their baseball coach may or may not have been pulling a Pete Rose and betting on the team. It's a very weird situation. Uh, We have this up at kpl965.com, so you can go and check that out. there's, uh, There's a lot of information out there about it right now. We don't know a whole lot. Now, what we do know is that the baseball team is 30 and 15 overall and 9 and 12 in the SEC. Uh, They're good for third place in the SEC West right now, coming off a three-game sweep at the hands of the LSU Tigers last weekend in Baton Rouge. However, ESPN was reporting that Ohio gambling regulators on Monday instructed the state's licensed sportsbooks to halt betting on college baseball games involving Alabama after suspicious wagering activity was detected on the Crimson Tides game against top-ranked LSU on Friday. Tuesday, FanDuel removed all Alabama baseball games from their books. New Jersey officials did the same, and then SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey's reaction to the gambling inquiries uh, just showed there, there's possibly a there there. We are aware of reports related to the suspension of wagering on Alabama baseball games. We will continue to monitor available information and any regulatory activity. As many states have acted on to legalize sports gambling, we are reminded of the threats of gambling may pose to competitive integrity. Together with our member universities, we will continue to emphasize the importance of regulating, overseeing, and providing education related to sports gambling activity. Now, Brad uh, Bohannon, the coach or the former baseball coach at Alabama, uh, was fired uh, because of his connection to suspicious gambling activity, according to various media outlets. D1Baseball.com and The Athletic both reported the connection to gambling, which caused three states, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, to temporarily ban all betting on Crimson Tide baseball games. Alabama's statement announcing his firing said the action was for violating the standards, duties, and responsibilities expected of university employees. 
bet.nola.com reported on Tuesday that the bets in question were a parlay and a large money line bet on number one LSU to beat Alabama in Friday's series opener at Alex Box Stadium. The Tigers uh, were the favorites and won the game eight to six after jumping to an eight to one lead. So, did Alabama's baseball coach commit a Pete Rose and bet on his own team? I don't know, but something like that. You, you're not you're not coaching in baseball again. It's not happening. But hey, roll tide. That's it for me. I'm out for another 23 hours. I'll be back tomorrow, though, to wrap up the week. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at RedState.com. The podcast will be up on Joe Cunningham Show.substack.com, where you can listen to today's show and all previous shows. I'm going to take this 23 hour break. Shannon is off sides. He'll be up next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. And don't forget, Go to solagivingday.org. Find an organization, give a donation, help these organizations continue to do great work in Acadiana. Y'all have a blessed one. I'll talk to you again real soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL.